On this episode of the Packet of Pie, we're going to dissect every single tweet coming out of the training camp and make a few predictions ourselves. If you haven't already, hit subscribe on your podcast platform of choice and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at the Packers Pod. And with that, let's go pack. Third down and five. Rogers same side. Hey there, everybody. Welcome back to the Pack It Up Packers podcast. This is Ryan, joined as always by Josh and Dan. Hello, gents. Hey, hey, hey. Hello, gentlemen. Football is coming soon. It's right around the corner, isn't it? It doesn't feel like it because we can't watch anything from training camp. But we do have big news, big, big news. We'll start right with that. A.J. Dillon's quads. Have you ever seen anything (laughs) like it? Talk about big. Uh, Yeah, we've seen Saquon Barkley. So if he'd like to be like 90 percent of what he is, that would be a fantastic draft pick. I saw uh, a quote from Christian Kirksey. I don't know if you guys caught this. He said, you know, as a man, you want to meet a running back in the hole and hit him high. You want to let him know you're stronger than he is. He goes, you look at him at 250 pounds and you want to hit him low. And then you see his quads. And you're not quite sure where to hit him. <laughs> <laughs> even even uh, Jamal was like, this dude's big and he moves fast. So when yeah. you have a guy that legitimately, and we'll talk about in a second, might be removed from uh, the contract payroll. And he's even like, this guy is big and can get going. Uh, I like yeah. it. I hope they save him for the second half. You know, keep him fresh and then bring him in where the defense is a little more tired later in the games. And just give him his five to ten carries. Uh, and just let him be fresh running over tired dudes. It, it's a huge weapon to hopefully milk some leads that we have. I just love all the attentions on him and not anyone else. Like, let it be on the rookie. He's not going to play probably the first two games anyways. Dude, so. train, training camp storylines, man. We're, we're going to talk about like your, <laughs> your fourth right tackle right now. We're about uh, to dive deep. Deep. I do love, and we've talked about it before, the fact that this – I know it's hyped up, but we could finally have this kind of thunder and lightning backfield. And it sounds like Jones has improved his hands. People are very, very happy where um, Dylan is right now with his catching ability. So it might be a standpoint that we just have a backfield that can do everything, that we just have trust in the ability to gain yards, whether by air or by ground, which is super exciting. Mm. So let's talk about it and deflate us a little bit. This receiving core, while we're talking about hands, Adams, obviously the number one. I think we have penciled in Lazard as number two. Who is the Packers' third wide receiver in your mind right now? Devin Funches. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. That's no. easy answer. You know, we're fresh off the last pod. We said, you know, don't be surprised if Funches is our number two. That would be an awesome uh, okay, that would be an awesome thing to have happen for the Packers, right? Because then you get all these guys rotating in as threes and fours. And I think the next day, like the day we released the pod, uh, Devin Funches opted out of the season. So uh, good on him. It sounds like he had, you know, fair enough reasons to to do such a thing. We we're also hyped about Everson Griffin, and that, that ended up going to the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy. 
but for a third wide receiver, I've got my favorite, and you guys are going to call me a homer, but LaFleur's already got his quotes coming out about Equinemius St. Brown looking good coming back off the injury. We don't think his injury last year was actually a season-long type thing. It, it was like a high-sprained ankle from everything we read, which should have meant the IR to return or just have him return in six to eight weeks. And they, they put him on the IR for the full season, and it was a surprise in the preseason. But the comments from LaFleur are he looks good, he knows the offense, he's fresh, he's running crisp routes, and he, he's a dynamic uh, playmaker. He's not going to be ever a true number one. But if you have him rotating in as your three and four wide receiver, you're going to be pretty happy with him. He's six five, big bodied, can move. Uh, I'd love to see him make a splash there. I 100% agree. I was going to say the same thing. Um, I think he's going to be a lifesaver for this wideout core. I thought he was going to be that last year, um, and then he didn't get to play. Um, but, I mean, we have two solid, just like you said, Alan Lazard and Devontae Adams, of course. But I think EQ can fill into that two or three spot. He's He has the speed to go deep, and he also has great route running abilities to pull it off. So, I mean, as long as he stays healthy, I think you're 100% right. Ryan, are you bold enough to call out CFL? This is how bold I am. I think the Packers have the deepest wide receiver crew at number three receivers and blow. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. It's just, I, I mean, it's a little bit scary to me that Lazard is our number two purely because he just catches balls. Like, Mm -hmm. I think he's a good player, but by no means do I think he has any outstanding aspects that would make him a number two. I think he's the perfect number three. If he's somehow like I was even thinking about it, not to beat a dead horse, but the fact of if we would have gotten a Robbie Anderson type, if we would have drafted somebody in that first or second round. And now your Lazard is just an absolute catching threat at three. And then EQ, MVS, any of these guys are number four. I mean, it completely changes it. I'm going to go different and just say MVS purely because he has that speed that can be a difference maker. He has that deep threat. His hands obviously are a question, but it sounds like he's got his own $3,000 juggling machine at home that he's been training with every single day. I would hope his mental aspect stays true. I don't think he was necessarily healthy last year. And I want to say that if you took his projections, granted, it's all boom and bust. He'd be floating around 800 yards for the season, which for a number three receiver, I would absolutely take it. Uh, so I think EQ is going to be a stud. Um, but really, if you're a fantasy owner, and I know it's so easy to take your home team's players and go, yep, I, I know this guys, I'm going to pick it. Outside of Adams, I don't know if you touch anybody because I really do think it's going to be a receiver by oh. committee of whoever gets Rogers confidence within that first quarter is going to get it that that game. It's going to kind of be more boom and bust than anything else. But I'll say MVS for third. I'm I'm intrigued, and maybe we can jump into it as part of the running back conversation, even even because of how Dylan uh, has has sort of gathered the headlines from the first week of training camp. But as a fifth or sixth wide receiver, it gets really interesting at that level. And I know this is training camp fodder, but if you're going to keep uh, three or four running backs, it sounds like they're keeping three quarterbacks, and we should probably touch on that real fast. So, I guess I'm going in a couple different directions. So let me pull back three quarterbacks. They're saying they need to keep, and it's probably a coronavirus situation, right? But Tim Boyle has played well from, from all accounts. It looks like he's outperforming Jordan Love, which isn't unexpected as Jordan Love just sort of 
figures out what NFL training camp looks and feels like. But if you're going to keep those three guys on the active roster, you can't send one to the practice squad, I guess, and and, and risk losing them. Um, you can't keep four running backs in that situation. We currently look like we're keeping four tight ends with Robert Tanya, Mercedes Lewis, Jay Sternberger, and Isaiah DeGuara. How do you keep more than five wide receivers? So to get back to the original point, Kumaro, St. Brown, Beagleton, Shepard, Oh, it gets sticky really fast. Yeah, it does. Um, and and is Tyler Irvin? Are they trying him at wideout too? I, I heard that they were trying to line him up in slot also. So is that another reason to keep a fourth running back and keep less wide receivers? Yeah, I don't um, know how they keep four running backs though. It, it's it, very interesting to see what Lafleur is doing with all these multi-talented, multi-position guys, um, and sort of piecing to, piecing it together little by little. And it would be not not fulfilling my duties as president of the Reggie Renegades that Reggie will make this team and be a stud. So maybe he's our he's our guy going across the middle you're, that just catches it. You're on that hill, and you might be on the yep. hill by yourself. I am probably going to be dead by third week, but I don't do we do we want to make a bet? Do we want to make a bet? Who's the last wide receiver to make the team? I'd pick Reggie over Shepard. For sure, without a doubt. Do they even get that deep? Think about it. Devonte Adams, MVS, Lazard. Steve I don't even Brown. think. Yeah, I don't think they get that deep. I would pick Kumaro Reggie over Kumaro. I would. Really? I, no. Here's the thing. I mean, Kumaro is fine, but it's another catcher. Yeah. If if I'm going to pick a fifth person, the last wide receiver, I would rather go for a boomer bust guy like Reggie, where it's just like he he showed up in CFL, and I know that doesn't bust. translate necessarily all the time, but bust. I would pick, I'd pick over him over Kumaro. I pick him I over. Just, I just don't trust CFL. He's not going to get any preseason games to actually show any worth. I would say Kumaro's your fifth if we're going to order the depth chart that way. And then Irvin is your slash guy that can go out and play some slot wide receiver. From the way they're using him in practice, he's your kick return, possibly mm-hmm. your punt return. He can fill in at wide receiver. He's your third running back. Yeah. We could hint at it. I yeah. hope we I hope we can trade Jamal instead of cut him, but I feel like there's not a spot for Jamal Williams on this team by the end of training camp. Oof. So Gosh, fifth, fifth, fifth wide receiver, though, Ryan, you've got Beagleton, a bold pick. Josh, who's yours? I, I'd go with Kumaro for fifth. Yeah. Shepard got his chance last year. and Yep. And, uh, you know, a guy at, at, with that pedigree, you get one chance in most cases. And yep. And he, he failed. He didn't come through. Uh, Kumaro's your safe bet. He's he's a guy you can plug and play at any position. He knows the offense. When you have no preseason, I don't know how you cut him for a, yeah. a, a CFL prospect. Solid blocker too for a run run offense. Yeah. yeah. So. so at running back, are are we all trending towards Tyler Irvin's second or third? You know, wherever you want to slot AJ Dillon, and are we getting rid of Jamal? I don't know how we keep four running backs. You know, I haven't done the numbers on roster and how many where we're keeping people where. Um, I can't believe that they can let Jamal Williams go. I, I just don't think you can let that happen. He's he's a threat in the pass game, also not as you know versatile as Tyler Irvin is, um, but he's he's a little bit more proven. Um, so I I don't know. That's a tough call. That that would be probably the last pick of the night if I was the GM, uh, Jamal Williams or Tyler Irvin. So. <laughs> It's just tough when you have a guy that's so versatile, and especially in this this season that's going to be really wacky as is. 
uh, it's just really tough not to say, hey, we have a guy that plays multiple positions rather than a guy that's probably third string, depending yeah. on how Dylan reacts. Do you guys have any uh, thoughts beyond that that you've read on Twitter and blogs and got excited about? Of, I've got to bring folks? one guy up. I've <laughs> got to bring one guy up. I've got a couple. But wow, because, the he's having, because he's having a good little camp, whatever you would call this little preseason get together, Josh Jackson. It's a training camp. <laughs> it's still a training camp. It's because they not have really, not really. Just it's they just have a get together test before practice. Doesn't make it not a training camp. <laughs> but anyways, Petten, three weeks. Let, let me finish with my Josh Jackson hot take. Petten's on record saying we have big expectations for Josh, and he's going to be a big part of what we do this year. I think they're realizing that they have been giving him too much to bite. They're trying to make him to be a true corner on the outside and be that backup corner for whenever somebody goes down. He's not that guy. Um, they're lining him up more on the inside. And I think his play mixed with the new inside linebacker, Kirksey, um, I think it'll be a great tandem in zone coverage over the middle. Um, I'm excited to see how they use him this year. And I'm, I'm finally happy to see that they're admitting he's not an outside corner and they're trying to do something different with him. Uh, we desperately need a solid number four corner. So I'm betting and I'm putting all my chips on Josh Jackson. I'm biting my tongue. Ryan, what's your opinion? Did you expect Josh Jackson's name to come up today? as a number four corner? Number four but, corner, but, but, but let Ryan not number hard. three. Number <laughs> four. Sure, they're u- not using the word big as much because they think he's overweight, that he's just not fast enough. But, I think uh, they're they're trying to hype nah. up some trade value. A little Jamal Williams, Josh Jackson trade for a fifth round pick. Hey, I'm fine with that too. But hype him uh, up. I have no I have I have no leaning anyway with Josh Jackson. He's not even on my radar if people I'm done with him. On. <laughs> we just I'm just saying we need the depth at corner. We got Alexander, we got Sullivan, we got Kevin King. We need a fourth corner. I mean who's gonna who's gonna be that fourth guy to be on the field and be consistent? Who would it's you not rather Tremont have Williams this year? Oh, I was gonna say who would you rather have? Josh Jackson or Tremont Williams? I would rather have Tremont Williams, but we Thanks. don't. So, well, we can if we wanted them. I, I, I would be fine if there's an announcement before even before we can even release this podcast saying Josh Jackson has been traded for a seventh round pick. He he's had his opportunities and he can't get on the field. He hasn't even been a special team stalwart. A, a second round pick that that uh, I'm going to label him a bust and I'm ready to move on from him. He he played zone coverage at Iowa. We play a lot of man and he's proven mm-hmm. that he can't play man in the NFL. So Put him, maybe put him in. I mean, you're saying you want to put him in that Raven Green spot, you know, the the nickel safety that drops down into the box right? behind Raven Green. Yes, yes. Well, what about Will Redmond? He did it last year, not Josh. Yeah, I, I didn't really like Redmond that much. Mm, but well. another guy, another guy was Robert Tanyan. I wanted to bring up. You know, we're all talking Sternberger and what he's going to do. I think Tanyan got the short end of the stick behind Jimmy Graham. Because I felt the Packers just had to validate paying Jimmy Graham and putting him on the field because they were paying him a lot. Um, but Tanyan, Tanyan's got some moves, and he he, pro, he proved himself in the postseason last year. Um, I, I'm excited to see him on the field more and just to see more targets. Um, not not that he's going to be the next Kittle. Like there, I saw one article out there saying he's the next Kittle, George Kittle. But no, this guy's a solid tight end. He can catch. Um, he can block. Um, I, I'm excited to see him on the field a little bit more this year. It, it's funny what the internet runs with because remember the training camp stories of last year was MVS has a lot of Randy Moss in him. 
Yeah, yeah, and yeah. That all that all came about because MVS was getting trained by Randy Moss. The Tanya and Kittle comparisons are because Tanya trains with George Kittle. Like it's, uh, it's simple as that. Yes, but I I read the same headlines you've seen where some of the beat reporters that are allowed into practice, uh, it's a good opportunity to call out the Packers and the NFL almost in its entirety have put out a new mandate to their reporters that you cannot report on who's running first team, second team, third team, or even what position players are practicing at, much less scheme or personnel. So you've got to take all of training camp because there's no preseason games. you got to take all of training camp with like a whole block of salt, no longer a grain of salt. It's a whole block of salt, right? But the Tanyan highlights that that you can gather from from Twitter and the guys that are allowed into practice and report in this limited fashion are don't count them out. You know, Sternberger is still a playmaker that they expect to to be getting his reps, but don't expect to, you know, for Tanya to just have a, a baseball hat on on the sidelines. This guy's been making plays in practice. And, yeah, he's got all the athleticism in the world. Um I would argue he had opportunities last year. It's not like Jimmy Graham and Mercedes Lewis were showing out and he couldn't get on the field. Uh, so with that whole tight end crew, I mean, they're going to have to prove it to me before I start hyping any of them up. One guy, though, that, that has been proven it has been our sixth round pick. Started 49 games at center for Oregon, which if I were a GM, every late round pick, I would say just give me the guy that did it week in week out for multiple years was healthy and did his job and preferably at a big school and i'm going to count oregon as a big school the pac-12 is debatable but i'm going to count oregon as a big school uh jake hansen has been running as our backup center so anyone not following the the articles that are coming out uh jake hansen has been running as backup center and the big news there is that Corey lindsley's contract is up next year so if if you want to save five million dollars, you know, paying Jake Hansen instead of Corey Lindsley, there's a huge opportunity here if if he continues to play well. And I do believe that they were looking at other folks for that backup center position. And it's not just him filling a void. It's him actually playing well. So so that's sort of an oddball that's not necessarily going to be a playmaker this year. Knock on wood. Hopefully he doesn't have to be. Uh, but a guy to sort of keep your eye on for down the road. Yeah, if we can keep the success going on on kind of getting these later round guys, um, I mean, O line is just so awesome. We just got to keep it going. Um, mm-hmm. And I'm gonna throw this out for Dan, my do it my guy, my guy that I've been yeah. hearing a lot that he's in shape, ah! he looks like a beast, <laughs> and they are legitimately thinking he will have an impact on this team. Rashawn Gary, unreal. It's, I hear I le- legitimate and Rashawn Gary in the same sentence. I'll, I'll make the same bet I did last. <laughs> he won't have five sacks. <laughs> that wasn't your bet last year. Way to fudge the numbers. Wait, what was the number? Four. I can't remember. Oh, well, I'm, I'm upping it one. It's five. <laughs> this this is true training camp story, right? He looks leaned out. So he, I guess he's leaned out, but he's actually gained a couple pounds. But every article is he was running stairs at this stadium in Texas. He was running stairs all off season. It's like cool. Like let's what's let's just wait to see what he does on the field. I, I'm excited. It sounds like he's been working out. If anyone follows his Instagram and Twitter, Lord knows his his arm action is faster than ever. We're excited to see those hands. That's an inside joke. If you don't follow him on Instagram, <laughs> but the guy's only 22 years old. 
you know, and, and he leaned out. He's in good shape. He's going to be our number three. He's going to be in for more downs. If you remember the reps he got, his actual pass rush percentage on those reps was pretty good. So he's going to get more reps this year, and he got in shape to do it. Uh, I'm hoping he stays healthy. He's still young, and I just hope people on this podcast and beyond this podcast give him a fresh start. Uh, he was a super young guy. Because he was a high pick, we wanted him to get 12 sacks last year. He didn't do it, but we had one of the best pass rushes in the league. Now he's up a spot. Uh, I'll go I'll go more than four sacks again. You know, I, I do believe in his physical ability. I just need him to believe that he can dominate everyone else. It looks like he's so hesitant on what he's doing against the opponent instead of just dominating the opponent like the Smith brothers do. But I think he just needs that mental aspect of I can dominate who's lining up against me. And I think he'll be fine. But until he gets that, I'm still saying he's only going to have five sacks. Yeah, I just can't. I just picture him as the kid that gets in a fight and he's doing all the karate moves and he's moving really fast. And then the guy just punches him. And it's like, OK, <laughs> congratulations. You you moved your hands fast and you had one move. But and you looked good doing it. Yeah. But I do think that I do think that if That's we half have the battle, look good, play good. <laughs> I do think that if we have Kenny Clark the second half of the year, if the Smiths come back with any kind of, of force. Now we have Kirksey and some people that hopefully don't get blocked up the middle. I, I this is the year for for Gary. He's seen the offense. He's played some snaps. He He's mm-hmm. growing as a player mentally. This would be the year that he would not necessarily make this jump to all of a sudden he's getting eight sacks. But. Yeah, four or five. I, I, I don't doubt it. I think that he's gotten to the point where he will get that, if nothing more than a cleanup crew. So uh, mm-hmm. it's going to be interesting. I, I just, I we hope also, he does well. I hope he does yeah. well. well. I we do also too. I do too. Caught some news that Kingsley Kiki was running in front of Tyler Lancaster and sweet baby Jesus, please let it be. Mm-hmm. I, I don't even know anything about Kingsley Kiki other than you know going into a second year, but. We saw enough from Lancaster that we needed to fix that that problem on the D line from a run game perspective. Uh, so, you know, while we're talking defensive front, let's just throw that out there. Hopefully, maybe they're fixing it with a guy that's already on the roster. I've heard nothing about Montrevious Adams this year so far, so maybe it's Kingsley Kiki. Um, they got to try something. Yeah, they got to try be, something. There's going to be more tidbits coming out. We'll, we'll make sure to report back without any preseason games. We're sort of pulling at straws here, and then week one. You know, the depth chart may be upside down based on what we predicted. But, um, boys, have you heard of this guy named Aaron Rodgers? I heard he's single, and he might be a little pissed off about a few things. MVP. 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 Who knows? Who knows? We could just fall back it. to – I feel it. Every time a man's single, he, he, he performs. He does. He's mad about being single and Jordan Love being drafted. He's got a few reasons to be motivated. Uh, but but to transition a little bit with, you know, there's not as much about the Packers that we can dive into. They would have already played the Cardinals in week one and this weekend they would have been playing the Browns. So we would have had some stuff to go off of. But we had a fun conversation offline that we thought we might bring to the podcast and get you guys thinking about the rest of the NFL and games that you're going to be excited to tune into. So I don't know what we're necessarily going to call this segment, uh, a tier two team uh, who, who's. Who's your second love? 
but we talked about teams outside the Green Bay Packers that we're going to be excited to watch this season. A team that you know has the afternoon game after the Packers play at noon or has the Sunday night game that you're super intrigued to follow the storyline. So we're going to go around the horn. Everyone's going to pick a team uh, that they want to see most behind the Packers. I'll start this up. This is twofold, and it's the Baltimore Ravens. Mm. First, I I greatly enjoy watching this team play. I mean, they're just at another level on all different kinds. I Lamar Jackson is the guy that I will text more frequently to the group going, did you guys just see what he did? It's unbelievable watching him. But kind of on this depressing side note of why I want to watch them, their draft last year was the Packer draft that I dreamed of. Queen, Dobbins, all the way to DuVernay. I loved Malik Harrison. Even their guards of Phillips and Bredesen, I loved those guys too as late-round picks. I, Their draft was always two to three spots in front of us, and every single time they picked, I went, that was the guy. That was the guy. Every single round. So I will watch it because Lamar Jackson is an absolute beast, and I just love the team overall. But watching this rookie class will kind of be a double-edged sword because I – I thought for sure this was the Packer draft that I had always dreamed of. That That's one of the, I think, the picks that, that everyone's excited to watch. So I don't disagree with it by any means. I, the most intriguing storyline for me is in the NFL, you normally see, you know, the defensive coordinator spend all offseason trying to fix what they couldn't fix in the previous year. What what hit them that was new that they weren't ready for? And last year, Lamar Jackson was the new thing that no one was ready for and, and just balled out. I'm wondering to see how defenses react to it. Can the D coordinators learn enough in this offseason to slow him down, or is he going to have another spectacular year? Well, at the same time, is Lamar Jackson smart enough to change up his game and not do the same tendencies that he had last year? Uh, you know, that that's what creates, you know, the best quarterbacks. You know, they don't have tendencies. They they change it up consistently. Yeah. Um, so it, it'll be very interesting to see Baltimore this year. Yeah, that's a good pick, right? And it's also really interesting. And I know this is getting in the weeds is with no crowd noise or at least to the level of crowd noise that people are used to mm. in away games, it's going to be really, really fun to see so many of these quarterbacks, whether it's Rodgers with his snap count, whether it's somebody like Breeze changing up the play, or Lamar mm. Jackson, his ability to read defenses, and the defense easily being able to hear each other for them reading his reads. I, I think it's a storyline that nobody will talk about, but I'm really interested in is – how adjustments at the line is going to change when you can hear everybody. And it's all kind of in a formality. That, so. You know, that's a great point. Home field advantage is out. That three point advantage is out the window without crowd noise. So yeah. how do you even, how do you judge that? We brought that up last pod. The Seahawks are going to be like four and 12 because they don't have home field advantage anymore. But you know what that reminds me of? Do you guys remember the clip, excuse me, of Clay Matthews and Cam Newton? And Matthews is lined up. I think he was at middle linebacker at the time. Cam Newton makes a check, and based on the formation, Clay Matthews yells out, halfback flare, halfback flare. And you can hear Cam, though, go, oh, you watch film, huh? Well, watch this. And they <laughs> they do the halfback cutback route, so he fakes the flare and then cuts up the middle touchdown. And obviously it was, it was against the Packers, so it wasn't fun to watch. But the brilliance of like being able to hear that whole conversation pre-snap we're going to get a lot of that this year, hopefully. Hopefully mm-hmm. they, they release that footage. That's going to be fascinating. You know, 
I'll go into my teams off of that uh, Cam Newton because one of the teams I'm not going to go in depth because this isn't the team that I'm going to pick. But the Carolina Panthers, I'm very interested to see mm-hmm. Teddy Bridgewater with Christian McCaffrey and Matt now, their defense. That defense will not keep up with the NFC South, the Falcons, Saints and Buccaneers. But I'm interested to see how the offense, how many points they can score a game. Um, but the team that I really want to point out and I think who could actually take over the AFC this year, um, the Buffalo Bills. Uh, oh, I I'm thought not- you were going to say Tennessee. <laughs> oh, <that sounds> like- <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I really don't believe in Josh Allen's talent, but I believe in that defense and and the wide receivers that he has around him. I mean, when you have a D line made up of Vernon Butler, Ed Oliver and Jerry Hughes and then add A.J. Epinenza or however you say his name, the rookie out of Iowa. I mean, that defensive line is insane. Last year, they ranked in the top five in points against, top five in yards against. This defense is fierce. It's boring to watch. It's a, you know, it's normally low-scoring games. I think they averaged giving up like 16 points last year. Um, but their offense added Stephon Diggs this year. And pair that with John Brown and Cole Beasley. I mean, who knows? Josh Allen might look really good this year with a wide with a wide receiving core like that so um and, oh and this team doesn't even have a stadium sponsor and they're still going to own the east barstool <laughs> sports barstool sports supposedly is going to make a run at it which would just be fascinating with their love for the buffalo tailgate scene <laughs> oh that'd be perfect the barstool and the but yeah what, what, what a story <laughs> Yeah, and Josh Allen, I, I thought Josh Allen was going to be this uh, a guy that his ceiling was a mediocre quarterback, and he showed some signs last year of maybe able to break through that mid-tier level as an NFL quarterback. So it will be super interesting to see what he can build on this year, and you know, can he make that jump into the next level? I, and I just always view the Bills of the Packers of the AFC. They're they're a historic franchise, old franchise. They're in the cold. There's always snow. Um, so, yeah, Buffalo Bills. I can't wait to watch them. You bring up a good point, too, with Carolina, with Matt Rule making the transition from college to NFL and having no preseason. That's going to be super interesting to watch. Mm. And I don't just say that because I live in North Carolina now, but that'll be interesting to watch. All right, so I'll take my turn as as last here, and uh, the reason I went last was I actually had seven different selections coming into the podcast. <laughs> as the football junkies we are, I went through the the list of rosters for different teams and just got so excited about so many. So let me take thirty seconds and just throw out some storylines that I'm sure we're all excited about. The Bengals and Joe Burrow, I just want to see some promise out of him. But when the Bengals are on like a three thirty kickoff time Central time. Uh, I'm going to tune in just to see how he looks as a rookie. I'm not expecting them to go 10 and six, but let me just see some promise out of that team. Pittsburgh's got really interesting storylines with Juju Smith-Schuster, so dynamic and still so young. Ben is coming back. He's older, but he's healthy, supposedly. Is James Conner the actual answer at running back there? Houston Texans, they've always historically been like my second team, and I think it might be the J.J. Watt factor coming out of Wisconsin. But the trade that they made, DeAndre Hopkins <laughs> for David Johnson, if we have forgotten, what did they do? So this team, it feels like it all rides on Deshaun Watson, and maybe it always has. But I'd love to see what Bill O'Brien had in mind with David Johnson. What role is he going to play that made him so valuable? 
the Colts, the easy Wisconsin connection. Jonathan Trailer gets drafted. Marlon Mack, still a great running back. They've got that powerful O-line. Uh, if the Colts are on in primetime, I'm hyped, except for watching Phillip Rivers at quarterback. That sidearm action is just hideous. I can't stand watching that part. <laughs> and then Dallas, as Packer fans, right, Mike McCarthy is stacked with weapons. Mm. Amari Cooper, Dak, Zeke. Boy, the middle linebackers are actually switching spots this year, so Van Der Esch is going to be their true Mike linebacker, and Jalen Smith's going to play weak side. Two middle linebackers we highlighted last year when we played them, how much we love watching them go sideline to sideline. So those are the teams I'm excited about. But my pick for my second team of the year, where if they're on opposite of the Packers, I'm catching every game, is the opposite side of that Houston Texans trade. The Arizona Cardinals are going to be so intriguing to watch. DeAndre Hopkins comes in as your number one. He's a top three receiver in the league, top five at worst. Maybe your number one, depending on your argument here. Larry Fitzgerald is the old man on campus, but still gets the job done. Christian Kirk is a young, exciting player. Kenyon Drake out of the backfield adds more to the passing game than he does the running game. But you got Kyler Murray at quarterback. And I just read a Jay Glazer quote that said that whole team plays fast. It's a team built on speed. And the players on the team are saying Kyler Murray at practice is like watching a guy on fast forward. It's like he's on a different level than the rest of them. Watching that offense play, but then add in the defense. Buda Baker at safety. Uh, Patrick Peterson's trying to reclaim his greatness after having you know a couple down years. Chandler Jones as an outside linebacker. And lest we not forget my draft crush of Isaiah Simmons. This guy that could be a small, fast linebacker or a big, hard-hitting safety. Mm-hmm. Where does he play on that defense? How do they fit him in? Is he an impact player as this rover-type player? Or is he undersized at linebacker and oversized at safety? I can't wait to watch the Arizona Cardinals play some games. I like your official pick, but are you really going to tune into a Bengals game this year? Seriously? I was going to say the same thing. Do they get three weeks, and then after that, I could care less. I mean, do they get primetime? Joe Mixon and Joe Burrow together, I'm looking forward to. So Dan is going to watch everybody but Jacksonville (laughs) and the Chargers. (laughs) Yeah, that checks out. (laughs) Don't call me on Sundays. I'll be busy. There's no Uh, I mean, there's not going to be any Badger football. So got to get my feeling on Sunday. No, you you think NFL is going to play games on Saturdays? They should. They totally should. should. Absolutely. It should be it should be really interesting. Um, I, we were texting before we even recorded this. We're, we're less than three weeks away from actual football being played, and it has snuck up on us so fast. Damn and man. I'm just so worried because for everything we talked about, of our players going to be ready? Uh, how the hell is this going to work with the traveling squad? It's just there's so many questions, and yet we are so close to playing football. I, I'm giddy, but I'm also just as nervous for what the hell is going to happen this year. Yeah, yeah. I think I think they get through the year. I, I don't know why. I mean, if you can't get through 16 but, games, 16 games. That's all you got to do. It's a lot of dudes. It's a lot of travel. There's no bubble. I mean, we're seeing MLB struggle with it, but. I, I, for just some reason, I have confidence, and maybe it's ignorance, but I have confidence they'll get through the season. I like that they expanded the practice squad to, I think it was 16 players, so they yeah. have a, a deeper bench to draw from there. What I'm shocked they didn't do was expand the active roster for game day. I, I really thought in you know instead of the 45, I think it is, that you're allowed to take from your 53 into a game, 
uh, I thought they'd be like, ah, we don't care. Just put 60 on the yeah, side. Yeah, I, I don't get why they didn't ex- extend the or expand the active roster and just have a practice squad. Just have a full practice squad. Like, this is a year unheard of. And if you want to make it through it, why don't you have players ready that know your system and can they, put good product on the field? What do you mean? That's we do have a full practice squad. No, but 16 players is not a full practice squad. I'm I'm saying a full. Oh, you want 50? Yes. Give me 50 more. <laughs> <laughs> Josh lives in a world where money is no object. <laughs> well, th- in that case, can we just have the Alabama team as our practice squad? Let's just pick a college. Like here, here, here we go. I'm down with Wisconsin. Just Wisconsin's our backup. That's fine. Our offensive line would be pretty good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So that'll do it for this week. We're, we're excited to continue this drip-by-drip uh, drip analysis. But until then, thanks, everybody. Go Pack Go. Go Pack Go.